0: Ah, close to retirement, or retired already. Time to live the good life, right? Well, you're no longer earning money. You're now withdrawing money each month. And your broker is also withdrawing each month from your account as much as 2 to 3%. And if the market drops, your broker continues to withdraw. Wait a minute. How do we navigate these challenges? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. On AM 870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Hey, welcome to the show, the total financial hour. TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions bring you this program. Look, we're talking about a couple of things today. Uh, For most of you, uh, you all (laughs) heard the stories of people inheriting money, that long lost cousin in the Midwest who owned a gold mine. Or that cousin who lives in Oklahoma who owned land with oil wells and fourth cousin twice removed and says, are you so-and-so? That knock on the door. And when it when you open the door, they say, we are here to tell you that you just inherited a million dollars. And you oh my gosh, Uncle Louie. I don't remember him. <laughs> now, look, in my practice of 23 years, I have had twice where that's happened, where people have come to me and said, this was an aunt, so one was an aunt and one was an uncle. So it's that kind of thing. Now I don't know if it was twice removed or third cousin, or I don't I don't know that story. But uh, but they were aunts and uncles, one of each, uh, from from far away. One was up in Santa Barbara, and left money to their child in uh, the LA area uh, to to um, a niece, and then another one was from the Midwest, and left money to his nephew. Again. Who knows? He remembered him a little bit when he was younger. He says, yeah, when we were kids, we used to go out there for the summer and we'd hang out. But when you inherit money, everybody has these you know, ideas of grandeur, of creating and living and building and doing the things that uh, they could never afford to do. But for most of us, that's not how you're going to inherit money. It's going to probably come from your parents or maybe your grandparents If you're unfortunate, it could be a spouse, right? It means that somebody passed before their time. And although this is a little bit of a somber moment that we're talking this uh, inheriting world, I want you to realize it's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing because somebody has entrusted you with the ability to have money to do things that they could never afford to do. That means their life... Had a plan, at least in their mind, and they never got to it. So you are now going to inherit money. I want to go over the different types of inheritance so that you understand there's different rules. But before we do, understand the ethical issues. You see, we had recently a brother left money uh, to his brother, and he passed away. And in doing so, you know, he passed away at a young age. He had to cancer and it it hit him pretty quickly and pretty hard. And it was a lot of money, probably close to a million dollars. And the brother never was married, didn't have children. And so when the client came to me, you know, it's an emotional thing because it isn't money you've earned, right? When there's money you've earned, I don't care what you spend. You can spend it on all sorts of things. Nobody cares. Want to blow it on this, have fun, take a trip around the world. I don't care. It's your money. Nobody should ever unless it's illegal or immoral stuff, I don't think there should ever be an issue. But when it's money that you have inherited, it isn't the same. At least I don't think if you're a decent person, right? Right? Dennis talks about the decent and the indecent, the only two types of people, or should be the only two types of races. And I think if you're a decent human being, you look at that money and you realize this is... Uh, Hopes and dreams that are unfulfilled. These are ideas and expectations that have yet to occur. And somebody is passing the baton on to you and says, I want you to carry this the rest of the way. Now, there's a few reasons they probably did it. One is because they think you'll do good things with money and continue the decent journey that they were on. Another reason could be that uh, they think you needed it. You were struggling, you were always struggling, the career you chose, the way you chose to spend money, the circumstances of your marriage or or lack thereof. And so, you know, maybe you're a charity case. I I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way, but maybe they figure, well, it's the only shot you're ever going to get to have have a, a chance at retirement or to buy a house. So that's another option. But realize this. If you're somebody that's going to be giving money away, if you're somebody who's going to be putting people in your trust or in your will or as the beneficiary of your accounts, there's a moment in time when you have to look and say, am I going to add gasoline to a fire? In other words, are these people decent enough with their financial decisions? Not as a human being, because I would expect if they're in your life, they're probably decent people. I'm okay with that. But if they're people that have been unable to manage $1,000 and you're going to give them 100000 if there are people that have been unable to manage a job or a career or keep a steady job and now you're going to give them more money in their life, then you just amplify the poor decisions. There isn't an issue in life where more money is going to make somebody bad turn into somebody good or bad decisions become good decisions when you add more money to it. It isn't going to take a bad relationship and make it better when you add more money to it. It isn't going to take a bad financial um, circumstances that they found themselves in and make it better. Now you might think, well, yes, it will. it will pay off all their credit card debt. or pay off their student loans. The mindset that got them into that mess doesn't change with a bunch of zeros behind it. It just means they're going to get to the ultimate conclusion, which is usually bankruptcy of some sort, they're just going to get there faster. right? If you have $50 and you're poor in your financial decisions, you can't get into too much trouble. I mean, you can get into a little bit, but it's not that bad. If you have a $2,000 limit on a credit card, you can get into a little bit of trouble, but it isn't that bad. But now if you have 50, 000, and you're poor with your financial choices, and all of a sudden now there's more money being added, I think you, get, you make greater poor financial decisions. In other words, you buy things that go down in value. In other words, you, you justify the wrong expenses. My goal for you is to understand that if you are the one receiving the money, I don't want you to be one of those people. Right at Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial and Insurance Services, our job is simple. We help you build your wealth, but we're never going to make you rich. People say, you know, I'll have to be, I had somebody come in the other day, you know, to be honest with you, when you said uh, we're not going to make you rich, but we're going to keep you from being broke, I appreciate that. But really, I'd like to be rich. I said, well, good. Here's a couple of things. Number one, and I believe this was Warren Buffett's quote, number one, the spouse you choose. That decides your wealth. The career you've chosen, that can decide your wealth. Your financial habits, how much you save, how much you spend, where you spend it, how you save it. So any financial professional who says they're going to make you wealthy, oh, we can double your IPO, investment, financial, triple your rate of return. Anybody that says that, I think the very first thing you must do is say, let me see your mom and dad. What? What? Yeah, yeah, I want to see your parents. Now why? Because if you can make me wealthy, then you better have made your mom and dad wealthy. Because if you can make them rich, okay. But if you're going to make me rich and you didn't, what kind of person are you to not take care of your parents first? Any financial professional who says, my job is to make you rich, I go, great, I want to see your mom and dad. And your money. Maybe your siblings. Who else is more important to your life Mr. and Mrs. Financial Professional, who else is more important than me? Because I am you just met me. So that'd be great if you have a whole string of people you've made wealthy. You took a hundred thousand and turned it into a million. You took a million and turned it into five million. Okay, great. Sign me up for that. So my expertise is different. My my job is different. It's to say, I can help you get reasonable gains, and keep you from being broke. So that's different. So if you're going to add money to somebody who has this gambling mindset, in other words, you're going to leave money to somebody who is generally a risk taker without the knowledge, right? What is gambling? Gambling is risk taking with really just a chance of winning and a chance of losing. If you ask an entrepreneur or a business professional, you say, hey, boy, that's pretty risky opening up your first coffee shop and now having 10, uh, a chain of 10 or a sandwich shop and now you have six. That's risky, isn't it? That person will show you a list. She will show you demographic research, traffic flows on the, the street, uh, historical uh, demographics of people moving into the community, age brackets, how many people, how much money they make, what's the average. Before they ever even say, and we'll put a sandwich shop here. So they have gone through a series, weeks if not months, of research to even decide if the business and the business location is the right one. So that is not the same as going to any casino, dropping in money on your favorite uh, table games and saying, let it ride. But if you're if you're a poor mindseted person, if you don't understand how money works, if you are somebody who just thinks money is the answer to every single problem, then maybe that's the way that you approach things. And, and folks, my question for you is to not. And how, how in the world can you leave money to somebody who is going to have their life worse because of the gesture you've given them? Right. Listen, just because they're your children, it doesn't mean you should give them equal money. If you have more than if you have 2 or more kids, you know that one of them is better with money than another. Now maybe they're both really good, just one might be better. If you have 3 or 4, expect to have one that's pretty bad with money. It's just the law of averages. Right? And you can teach them. But today they're not dumb. You can go to any computer, any uh cell phone or, or tablet device. Boom. How do I become rich? What are the habits of wealthy people? How do I avoid being broke? Right? There's a million things that you can put in any search engine. So in other words, if you're going to leave money to somebody who's already proven with the resources that they have, that they are going to continue to do bad, not be a bad person, don't get me wrong, they're still a decent human being, but do bad things, make bad decisions, bad financial decisions with money, I want you to question that. Because why would you make things worse? Because I have seen that. Just like you and your job, right? This is my job. It's my career. I sit down and I meet with people. Sometimes they have really good stories that are amazing and they're heartwarming and they're incredible. And if it wasn't for that aunt or the cousin or the parent that left them money, their life wouldn't be as amazing. Financially speaking, I get it. And there are others, countless people, who make bad financial decisions with money, and it doesn't matter how quickly or when you give it to them, they're broke just as fast. Oh, it maybe takes some eight months. I think the, the average is eight months to spend an inheritance. Eight months if you're not careful. So these are issues that, that you and I, as we are building our wealth and we're saving and we're creating money, and number one is when you give money to somebody for most of you, it's money that you have earned. And in doing so, you are saying, my journey here on this earth is over. Here are the resources that I've accumulated and yet to spend. And now I want to pass them on to you. Do good things with it. Make a difference in the world. Make the world a better place. We've had some that have created scholarship funds in the honor of, in one particular case's, His sister passed away. I think it was leukemia. And so he started a scholarship fund in her honor back at the high school where she attended. And she never had a chance to have children. I think she was in her early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. And so the money that is there helps a young person continue down the journey. Right? Those are pretty neat things. You can have a scholarship fund based on your values. Did you know that? You don't have to just give it to the school, the high school, and say, find the the poorest child with the best grades. (laughs) That's not what I did. My wife and I started a scholarship fund years ago. And we did it as an ongoing thing for a male, one male, one female. And we said, you have to read this book. And I'll tell you, the book was the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book because it changed my life. In fact, if you can go online somewhere, you can find maybe... The old uh, Time Life commercial, my family was the, uh, we were poor, now we're rich, but not quite, you know, we were, our lives were changed by Robert Kiyosaki. We did that infomercial, it ran for about four years around the country, around the world, actually. I happened to be in Europe and I saw myself speaking Italian (laughs) on a local station. I was like, hey, look, honey, we're on TV. You know, the late night infomercials. Because it did, it changed my life. It was an amazing book. And if you haven't read it and your goal is to be an entrepreneur or somebody who has Uh, you know, kind of thinks outside the box, consider that for a minute. Consider the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. I like it. And he's got a whole series. I don't get paid for it, but I think it's worth it. So we started a scholarship fund. Kids, read the book, write an essay. And here's what we did. We had ethical and character guidelines. So in other words, I didn't care. In fact, if you got a a 3.8 GPA or above, you did not qualify. You had to get a 2.0 to uh, to 3.79. If you were 3.8 or above, I figured you were just going to get as as many scholarships as you wanted. There were enough out there. Go get them. I wanted people who worked their tail off and still got a 2.6 GPA. That mattered to me because the moment you graduate high school, nobody cares what you got on your 11th grade history test. The moment you graduate college, nobody said, what did you get in your English exam, you know, second year? Nobody cares. What do they care? Are you going to show up on time? Are you going to steal from me? Are you going to always learn? Are you going to get along well with others? Are you going to be somebody who is always innovating and thinking? Those are, look, I've heard it said and I agree. I didn't say it, uh, make it up, but somebody did. You are hired for what's on paper, your resume, and you are fired for who you are. Again, you are hired for what you did and you are fired for who you are. Those things make a difference when you're trying to build a company or you're trying to build your own financial life. Remember, 70, 70% of the people that earn a college degree don't even work in the field in which they earn their degree. I mean, you understand that? You're spending all this time, you're switching classes, spending an extra year in school, you do all of this crazy stuff, and at the end, you're not even working in the field in which you earned your degree. Seven out of 10. That means only three out of ten are working in the field. All the effort they put in. That's why I think you have to go to a two-year community college first, get your general ed out of the way, practice, try other other uh, uh, classes. And if you're going to leave money to somebody, you can leave all of these rules for us. And everybody's different, right? I'm going to tell you this was my. Uh, I mean, I'll only give you a couple of them, but it was this: you can't be drunk, you can't drink alcohol, you can't get arrested, you can't be pregnant unless you're married first. Right? Th- these are these are some things that matter to my wife and I. We could do it. What we cared about was something simple. I don't want you to become me spending money on you. Our scholarship years ago was about investing in you. If I was just going to spend money on somebody who was busy using drugs or alcohol or or not, you know, volunteering, we had a volunteer requirement. Then then I'm just if if that's not an investment that I'm spending. And I don't know you. You're a nice person, I'm sure. But why would I spend money on a stranger? I'll spend it on myself. But I would invest in you. And so, as time goes on, the requirement of you to be better can last throughout your money. Because you can now match scholarship funds at, at colleges or high schools. You can create opportunities for young people. So, the concept of having your money last beyond you with your values. You might be completely different. You might say, I only want people you know who want to that money. you can create it, you can build it, and it can last for generations. Look at the J. Paul Getty Museum. You guys know that uh, off the four or five freeway. Besides the recent movie that that came out that made him look like a uh, not so nice person. And, and I don't know, maybe he, he is that way. I don't know. I can only talk about the business side of him because that's what I've studied. And and I can tell you, as a man who was a billionaire by the age of 29, he was very successful. And his love of art, so that the average person who would never be able to travel to the Louvre in Paris, who would never be able to go to the Met in New York, instead, what could you do? You could go to the J. Paul Getty Museum, used to be on the PCH Highway, right? Pacific Coast Highway. Castlemar, and now today, it's free. Now you have to pay for parking, but you can still take a shuttle and public transportation and get there. But that museum has more artwork in value than the value of some countries. I mean, it's amazing, the art that they have there. And that's his legacy. That's what he cares about. You may not care about art. You may care about something else. The point is, if you're going to leave money to somebody, you can put as many strings on it as you want. Right? That's important. 888 retire Here's our phone number again. 888-997-3847. 888-997-3847. One of the things that I think is, is very important when you are receiving money is the ethical responsibilities. If you don't feel weighted down by it, then you're not taking it seriously. Now look, if it's $5,000 and you say, I had an event in my life, I was without medical insurance for this window of time and we got sick and I can pay down my credit cards or my medical bills, no problem. I'm good with that. The problem that comes in in my point of view is when it starts to be a substantial amount of money and you're receiving it and you've never handled that kind of money before, I think you need to seek the advice of someone who knows at least some ideas. You don't have to listen to them, but you can say, hey, you know what? You're smarter than I am in this world. Maybe you can help me out, right? Or, or at least give me some ideas. Because the responsibility to handle the money for you could last for generations. And to just give money to your children, like for example, if I inherited money, I wouldn't just give 5000 to each of my kids or 20000 to each of my For what? Because they exist? One of them might be better with money. We'll do greater things with money. Whether you're a scholar or not, there's a parable of the talents. So you may not be a Bible aficionado, but you can search in the ing- search engine the parable of the talents. T-A-L-E-N-T-S. And it will show you the three different people. And it was a parable about What people did with the gifts that they were given. And then you can see that there's a responsibility, in my opinion, with the gifts that you're given and whether or not they fit down the same story, right? You you could say, oh, yeah, that means the same to me. Because I, I believe that the journey that somebody was on when they were accumulating the money and they weren't able to finish that journey I don't think you should necessarily... Well, my goal was to climb all seven peaks of, you know, mountain peaks in the country, in the world. It doesn't mean you have to pick that mantle up and continue, if they only did two of them. But maybe you sponsor wounded warriors who are going to go and climb mountain peaks. Maybe you are going to create a scholarship fund of people that want to preserve, you know, Mount Everest, with all the stories coming out about the... uh, The problems that Mount Everest encounters, right? In other words, you can still do something with some of that money that continues the honor, the the legacy. Okay. So there's a responsibility of inheriting that money. When we come back, I'm going to get into some of the more technical part of things like what happens when you inherit a house? What happens when you inherit money from an IRA, a life insurance policy, individual retirement account, that's what an IRA is, 401k, same kind of an idea. Or life insurance policy, what happens if the money comes from there. Checking or savings. They all are different. Now, you might call it just an inheritance, but they all have a different category and classification. And we'll cover that when we come back. So if you stay with us, 888 retire 888 retire That's a big part of who we are. You can get a hold of me at any time. Uh, of course, if we're not in the office, usually we're there from 8 a.m. till 6, sometimes 7 p.m. at night. There's somebody there answering the phones. Monday through Friday, and occasionally even on the weekends. Uh, but you can always get a hold of us at 888-997-3847. You can do so by leaving a message, and we'll be happy to uh, to Arif get back to you. I'll be back in just a minute. Stay with me. I'm Arif Halaby. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. We'll be right back. Thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Eric Halimi. For those of you just joining us, this is the Total Financial Hour. 888 retire 888 997 3847 Just drop off the E. Sometimes people call and say, hey, uh, you know, it's not working. There's an extra number. Well, when you call from a landline, and most cell phones, I find some of them, I don't know if it's the service. Uh, some of them just don't count the last number, and some do. So just uh, once you fill it up, then just drop the E. So it's triple eight ninety nine retire That's 93847. Okay, Here's some things you didn't know about inheritance. We talked about the ethical responsibility. When you receive the money, people sometimes will say, oh, I want to be the trustee. I want to be the executor, which the one that executes the the, the wishes of the person who passed away. Let me tell you, sometimes it's a pain in the tush. In fact, almost always it is. There's inventory, there's accounting, and if you do it wrong, the legal responsibility is pretty heavy. That means you get into trouble if you didn't do it right. So, The concept of just saying, oh, I can't wait to be the one who makes all the decisions, you kind of have a a big problem if you don't do it right. So be very careful. Uh, And and who you nominate, who you decide, ask them ahead of time. Maybe they're going to decline it. And if they do, then you have what's called a successor trustee afterwards. So you might have somebody who's the executor. Maybe they waive or cancel or decide they don't want to do it. Then it could be the next person. So you could have two or three down the line before somebody says, okay, I'll do it. So check ahead of time with them. And if your estate is substantial enough and confusing enough, meaning you're going to have rental properties in other states, you have your primary residence, you have retirement accounts and investments and things from all across the board, uh, you may want to consider hiring a professional trustee. And you're going to find those at all major banks and some credit unions. Uh, It's a not a, an inexpensive adventure, just so you know they have flat rates and big fees and percentages, so it isn 't an inexpensive adventure, so the estate needs to be substantial enough. how much i don 't know probably ten million or above, maybe five million or above it's going to depend on the type of of assets you have. Check with your cPA your uh, attorney your your trust attorney, and ask them say, "Look, should I hire my cousin Joe? Should I hire my uh, my sister, they're good at what they do. She's a school teacher. My cousin Joe's a plumber. Good people, honest, hardworking. But I don't know if they have the skill set to know not to, to violate a law. Certainly not on purpose because you you know them. They're good people. But sometimes the rules are a little bit confusing. Okay? So just consider that. All right. What happens if you inbe- in, inherit a house? I'm going to spend a minute on this because in Southern California, it happens to be a big percentage of the wealth that you and I have is our home or rental property or commercial building. Real estate seems to be a big percentage of our of our net worth. Uh, so when you inherit a house, you might think it's like winning the lotto. We've talked about that. But remember, there's some big decisions you have to make. First of all, the existing debt and bills have to be paid first. Now, that means property taxes. That means electric bills. Sometimes if somebody's been ill for a while... Maybe some of the bills haven't been paid. So you're now stuck having to pay off these bills before anybody gets a dollar, before you can spend money on fixing up the house because it has to be fixed. It has to be, in other words, the bills have to be brought current. So for most of you, you may not live in the house. So maybe you will. Maybe it's left to a daughter or a son who's either never married or went through a bad divorce and who's been renting and who's just always been struggling ever since then and your goal is to make sure they never go without a place to live. We've seen that. And nobody nobody requires there's no law there's no there's not even an ethical rule that requires you to to separate the assets equally. Now, if all of them are equal in their responsibility, in their effort and in, in their their own success, and their work ethic, okay, then fine. But if some are lazy, and they're just waiting for you to die, I've seen it. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story. We had a, a lady who was an only child, and she's, I wouldn't say a typical you know, baby boomer at the time, but only child, married late in life, no kids, uh, somebody who liked to spend every dollar that they got. Had a condo that they that they owned, but it was mortgaged to the hilt, and they traveled. They spent money on everything. They Had a nicer car than their mom and than her mom and dad, and her mom and dad were in their eighties at the time, and they started failing in health a little bit. And I remember they had an apartment building that at the time was worth four million dollars. Today it's probably worth eight or nine, but it was a four million dollar apartment paid off with with income and rents coming in. And so when we met with the daughter first. We said, okay, so you know, you, here's your retirement account. So how much are you putting in? What do you want to do? Da, da, da. And she said, you know what? I don't really care. I'm spending all of the money that I make. And the reason is because I'm going to inherit. And I don't really care. I want to enjoy life. I don't want to be like my parents that are from the greatest generation. They were World War II uh, survivors. And, and uh, in fact, one of them was in a, in a concentration camp as a kid. So this was, this was their life savings, setting aside money. And so at the time, they sit down and they go through this process of how much money are we going to leave to who and when? Okay, well, when I meet with the parents, they said, we're not going to leave her anything. I said, why? They said, she, she doesn't even respect the money that she earns. How much less would she respect the money that we have worked our life for? Now, I couldn't tell each other about the, the conversations about each other. Ethically, that's a problem. We don't do that. But I did encourage both of them to have a serious conversation with each other because I thought there was going to be a problem because someday, (laughs) when she realizes that they donated it all to a charity, it's, uh uh-oh. What is she going to... Maybe her parents live another 10 years. So I, I share this with you so you realize... That just because you think you're in the catbird seat, right? The only child, the smartest, the favorite, whatever. If you're lousy with money, behind the scenes, your parents may or may not leave you the money. Because why would they want you to be worse? Because they might attribute some of your problems, immorality, issues with the way you spend money. So I want to caution you, right? Be careful. You don't know what's in the heart of the other people. They're going to tell you one thing because they want you to keep visiting. They're going to tell you one thing because they want you to not neglect them. But when it's all said and done, the trust that the attorney has in their hand is usually the one that wins. All right, so if we're not going to have somebody when we give them a house or when you inherit a house, if they're not going to live in the house, then the really the other two options is to sell it or rent it out. If you have a history of rental property, if you understand it, if you know how to use it, if you're a part of it, no problem, then that might be the wise move, especially in Southern California. Because even though we go through ups and downs in real estate, if you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s, chances are in the next 20 years, it'll be worth more than it is today. I think between now and 20 years or maybe 10 years, I don't know, we're going to have a huge drop. It's simple. It's because people are moving out and politicians haven't figured out that that's a problem. Everybody's still trying to give away. I'm going to give away. I'm going to give away more. (laughs) Look at the debates. I'm going to give you free college and a cell phone. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to give you free college, a cell phone, a car, and a person to mow your lawn. You know, it's like, what do I I'm going to deliver milk to your house, and I'm going to have a chicken in every pot. I think that's where it started from, maybe before, but it was something that never seemed to end. Okay, here's another benefit. If you sell a house that you've inherited... And even if it has appreciated significantly. So if the house goes from parent to child, or you receive it, you've inherited it. Since the person purchased the house, let's say they bought it for 40000 and today it's worth 800000 you get what's called a step up in basis. A step up, meaning it's as if the day they pass away, and this is one of the responsibilities of the trustee, is to go through and, and get the appraisal on the house. Uh, mom and dad passed away on this date. This is the last person that passed away. Here's the value of the house. What is it as of that date? And you have to pay for an appraisal, four, five, six hundred dollars $600. Now it comes from the estate if there's money there. If not, and you're the one inheriting it, you'll probably pay for it. Because the step up, that means that any increase in value over the cost of the home initially is given to you tax-free. So you inherit it at the fair market value at the date of death. Whatever the value is, and you sell the property, the only tax that would be owed is based on the day of death to today when you sell it. So if there's a gain of 10000 200000 depending on how long you've held it, whatever that value is during that period of time is what's taxable. But all the years, 20, 30, 40 years, it doesn't matter, it's all tax-free. Okay, so that's important. That could happen. Now, there is something called an inheritance tax. So a lot of times people say, well, this tax is fine, but what about this tax? And there's multiple income taxes, estate taxes, uh, you know, we call them death taxes, uh, capital gains. You're going to need a good CPA, Certified Public Accountant. I don't mean just Cousin Louis who knows how to do taxes on the back of a napkin. I mean somebody really understanding this stuff because I don't want you making a mistake because a mistake could be huge. So if the estate is worth less than $5.43 million, okay, then you may not have as much of an issue. But when you add everything in, the value of the house, the life insurance policies, the estate, uh, uh, tax accounts, right, trust accounts, retirement accounts, add it all up, antiques, whatever they may have, and if you're getting close to or over that $5.43 million, you may run into estate taxes or death taxes. Okay? Check with California because you may have issues in California as well as they're doing everything they can to try to find money. Instead of stopping the spending, California is trying to uh, tax everything under the sun. It's what they do. Instead of saying, let's find a way where we can cut regulation, they're going to add another entity, another agency. So be very careful, all right? Some states, like Massachusetts and Oregon, they have their own estate taxes, death taxes, at a million. New Jersey, it's about 675000 So you're going to see over and over again, it depends on where the real estate is held. It depends on where the person lives. You might live in Southern California. Your mom lives upstate New York. So there may be some issues. That's why a good CPA will, will uh, walk you through that there could be some cross-tax issues depending on the state. Okay, what about a free home? Oh, they don't owe any money on it. Everything's fine. There's no mortgage. Well, remember, if you're going to keep it, liability insurance, you say, oh, well, I don't need to do that. There isn't even a mortgage on it anymore. Well, if you're inheriting a house, you're going to want to make sure nobody, quote, trips and falls. Or a renter doesn't do something like burn the house down, or right? We we have to make sure that this is now an asset. It's a, it's three, five, seven, two hundred, two million. It's it's hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting there, and you have a stranger for for lack of a better word. Watching the bag bo- the bag of money, so you need to insure that bag of money. That's what the homeowner's insurance is all about. Wear and tear. You need to make sure they don't have a problem. And if you're going to be renting residential property in the state of California, you need to make sure you're doing it correctly. The laws and rules are so far and so much against landlords for residential real estate in the state that I think you need a team of people. You might have heard us interview Dennis Block before. Dennis is a great guy. He's an attorney here in L.A., and he's a he has evicted more people. I think he said, was it 100,000 people? I don't remember. Some off the chart number. Evicted more people, his firm, his law firm. And he'll tell you, it's so easy to make a mistake, especially in the city of Los Angeles. So be very careful with it, okay? Now, we've talked before about some of the problems that come across when you're inheriting somebody's real estate, and you think it's a wonderful home and a great neighborhood, except surprise it might have termite damage or an unpermitted back room or an issue with uh, a fence that's on the wrong property line. These are items that you're now the owner. And once you are made aware of it, you have certain liabilities, certain things you have to fix. If you don't fix those things, then you may have issues that run deeper than just the, the cost of the real estate. There are plenty of people I know With real estate that said, oh my gosh, it was such a dream. It allowed me to pay off my primary home when I sold it. It allowed me to take a trip to finally retire at a young enough age. It's been amazing. And there are other people who've inherited homes where they think it's nothing but a headache and a problem. Because what they think about at the other side of it is all of the maintenance issues. So if you're going to leave your home to somebody, number one, make sure they've been a homeowner before. Because if they've rented the whole time and the water heater is a problem, they make a phone call and it doesn't cost them a penny. Now, if they're on the other side of the coin and they're renting a home and there's a water heater problem, you need to know how to fix that and make sure you hire the right uh, plumber and make sure that you're not doing things illegally and, or that's going to hurt you. So many people cannot bring themselves to clear out and sell the houses they've inherited, sometimes because the garage is filled with junk, with memories. You've seen them. They actually have television shows now. Hoarding, right? Tunnel homes, I've heard them called. And it's a mental illness. It's an issue for people. And I don't belittle it because it's a big deal. And I feel, I feel for those people because it's a struggle. But somebody someday somewhere is going to have to clear that house out. And you have heard stories and time and again, digging through things and I find this painting and it turns out it's a Renoir or Monet Right? And you're like, oh, how about that? So I don't know if that's the case in a lot of the, those homes that are hoarding. But there may be antiques. There may be things of value. You have to weigh your time in digging through the, the, the haystack to find the, the needle. Maybe. Maybe there are antiques. Maybe the, today with the, the uh, auction websites and the Amazons and the Ebays, right, you can easily find a place to sell items. But is it worth your time? I don't know that. If you're retired and you're bored and you're somebody who needs something to do, maybe this is a great career for you. Maybe it's a great job. But inheriting your parents' house will bring up lots of memories and sometimes people just leave it for a very long time. Maybe they just can't get rid of the clothing. Right? It brings back memories. I remember the last time dad wore this or mom wore this. So there can be big issues with that. And I don't want you to to take that lightly, but it can be a a concern. Okay, so that's a home. Uh, Look, this is not designed to be an an exhaustive, (laughs) all-inclusive review. It's to give you a little bit of kind of wet your whistle, right? To tantalize you enough to say, oh, how about that? Let me research more. Hey, how about that? Let me hire an expert or professional CPA or trust attorney. Because in the area that I'm an expert in, if you will, is the life insurance area. Now, why? Because I know the beneficiary associated with that is tax-free recipient of those dollars. If it's 1000 a 100000 or $10 million, life insurance is tax-free to the beneficiaries. Make sure the beneficiaries are updated. We had one occasion where I get a call from a client. She'd probably been a client about 10 years at the time. She calls and says, hey, Eric, you know, I received a letter in the mail with a check. Doesn't look like the same insurance company, but it said insurance and it was life insurance. I think something's wrong, but I thought I'd call you. I said, great. Well, I happen to be, I said, I'll be by your, your neighborhood. I think it was on a Saturday or something. I said, I'll swing by. I'll take a look at it. I swing by and I take a look. And I go, huh, this, something's wrong with this. This looks legitimate. So I said, can I take this and make a call? She goes, yeah, sure. It's not real anyway. So that was a Saturday. Monday comes around. We make a three-way call. We get get him on the phone, and we find out that she was married 25 years earlier. She was 19. He was 20. They were married about a year, but during that time, he got a job with the city. The city had a life insurance policy. She was put as the beneficiary. Now, they were married for a short time. They both went their separate ways, no children. They both had separate families, happily married, uh, married each for 20-plus years, created a life for themselves, grown children, and she gets a check in the mail because he never changed his life insurance beneficiaries to his new wife. Now, as he kept getting promotions and growing in his uh, pay with the city, he kept raising it to $250,000. So when she received this check in the mail, it was a quarter of a million dollars, this man thought that he was buying more life insurance over time for his wife and children, not his ex-wife of a year, year and a half. So the insurance company is obligated to give a check to the beneficiary, period. Not to get involved in your social life or your, your marriage life, or they don't care about any of that. And they did. They delivered it, off it went, done. Now, she could have recused it and said, hey, this is not my, you know, put this back into his estate, which would then go back down into his wife and children. But she chose to keep the money. I know you guys, $250,000 tax free Remember, I told you life insurance is tax-free. It's a big deal. It's not what I would do, but that's what she did. All right. So make sure your beneficiaries are up to date, especially if you have marriages, divorces, children, uh, you had your parents on as beneficiaries and now you're married and your parents have passed away or right. Different things can happen. Make sure that you're up to date on that. Next are our bank accounts and CDs. Be very careful on having joint ownership with your children or your parents. Look into having bank accounts and CDs that are not joint ownership, but you're an authorized user. Okay, an authorized user. That means you can go in, you can check it out, you can, you can uh, monitor it, make sure nobody's uh, doing anything sneaky. But I don't want you to be the owner of it because then it's part of your asset. And that means somebody has to pay taxes on it. It could be you. Surprise. I don't want you to do that. Joint ownership gives you privileges, including the privilege of paying tax. Authorized user gives you privileges, but without that liability, okay? So consider that. When it's inherited and it's left, it needs to be in your trust as an owned trust and and then the beneficiaries. Or you can do something in California now called TOD, transfer on death. What that means is this. If you pass away, somebody receives it. It's like a beneficiary and it can circumvent the trust. Just like a life insurance beneficiary circumvents the trust or the, the issues and goes directly to whomever the beneficiary you chose. The TOD, transfer on death provision, can apply to investment accounts, stock brokerage accounts, bank accounts, CDs. Okay, that's important. And then the last and final one is a 401K or an IRA. Now, 401Ks, 403Bs, if you work for a school district or a hospital, 457, or, or it's called Horizons if you work for the city of a, or the county of LA, 457 is a deferred compensation plan. They all act the same. You haven't paid taxes on the money like a thrift savings plan, TSP, if you work for the federal government. Okay. You go to work, you make 50000 you put 5000 to the side. Today you pay tax on 45000 Those dollars that sit off to the side in the IRAs or 401ks, you didn't pay tax on it. Not today. And if you pass away, The beneficiaries now have to pay tax on the money. Depending on your age, their age, there could be a required minimum distribution. It could be substantial where they have to start taking money out over the course of time. But those are also beneficiary driven. So you can put anybody you want. Now, in certain situations in California, you may have to put your spouse or at least have your spouse sign off. We did this recently where a spouse said, hey, I had this money before I was married. I want my grown daughter to receive it, and I don't care about uh, my my current husband. He has money, and, and they're fine. No problem, as long as he signs off on it. If you have any questions, folks, we're here for you at 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-99-RETIRE. Let me give you the number again, 888-997-3847. I'm Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. It's sponsored by TFS Financial and Insurance Services and total financial solutions that's who we are and we have uh, I don't know four offices around Southern California happy to help you out anytime we can thanks for listening have a wonderful weekend now higher strategy. Learn from Arab learn about financial power the total financial hour now